Today's reading is from 2 Samuel chapter 7. Now when the king was settled in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, the king said to the prophet Nathan, See now, I am living in a house of cedar, but the ark of God stays in a tent. Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, Are you the one to build me a house to live in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I have been moving about in a tent and tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about among all the people of Israel, did I ever speak a word with any of the tribal leaders of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, so that they may live in their own place, and be disturbed no more. And evildoers shall afflict them no more, as formerly, from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your ancestors, I will raise up your offering offspring after you, who shall come forth from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. When he commits iniquity, I will punish him with a rod such as mortals use, with blows inflicted by human beings. But I will not take my steadfast love from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. Your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words and with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. The word of life. Thanks be to God. Grace to you and peace from God, our creator, and from Jesus Christ. Amen. So there's a reality that runs through the entirety of scripture. And in fact, this same reality traces its way through all of human history and continues to this very day. And that reality is the reality of the mess. Disorganization, chaos, upheaval, in ways small and large, they mark our individual lives and our life together. And oh, how I felt that mess this week. 
Moving into my office, there were boxes and books and office supplies so cluttered that I could not sit down, I could not get to the door, and I got into my first messy fight here, which was with the copier in the office, which I lost. And every so often this past week, that external mess in my office gave way to an internal mess in my brain as my mind swirled with questions like, what have you gotten yourself into? Are you really called to this? When are all of them going to figure out that you have absolutely no idea what you're doing? <laughs> this reality of the mess, it's inescapable. And this mess, it was so much bigger in ancient Israel when David was king. The entire history of his people had been unstable up until this point. Their first ancestor was Abraham, who didn't have a home and just wandered about in the desert. And then the people became enslaved in Egypt, and when God freed them and led them to their own land, there were other people living there. And when they got their land back from these other people and appointed a new king, King Saul, he didn't work and the government collapsed before their eyes. And so David, this new king, he knows the mess well. And the question for us is what do we do with the reality of the mess? How do we respond to the truth that life is unpredictable and never quite as orderly as some of us want it to be? Well, what David does, and I think what most of us do, is to try to withdraw from the mess, to try to settle in, try to get comfortable, try to impose a bit of order on the chaos around us. So David, he builds a house when he becomes king, or I organize my books when I get a new office. We all find ways of settling in, finding a routine, getting cozy, and avoiding the mess. Now that's not actually a bad thing. Life is really tough, and we just don't have the energy to confront the mess and chaos around us every second of every day. But at the same time, I do wonder about where our motivations for settling in really come from, because I don't think they always come from the best places. Like, could it be that my desire for tidiness in my office is somehow linked to my need to always be in control? Or could it be that David's drive to build himself a house is as much about giving himself some shelter as it is about keeping other people out? Or could it be that our penchant for trying to feel comfortable is linked to a desire that we have 
to avoid seeing and dealing with unsettling realities in our world. Our response to the mess of the world is to try to withdraw from it and to try to box it out. But when we do that, we might also end up boxing out God, too. Consider what happens to David today. He builds himself a house, and he considers that maybe God might like to live in a house, too. King David knows that the Ark of the Covenant, that symbolic place where God has met and spoken to the Israelite people, it's housed in a tent and has been moved about from place to place. And David thinks, like so many of us, that what we want for ourselves is also what God wants for God's self. And so David, in his want, wanting to withdraw from the messiness of creation, supposes that God also might like a space apart as well. And so David offers to build God a grand temple where God can live in comfortably and settle down. But God sends back a word to David through the prophet Nathan, and God says, no thank you. And that's because the way that God responds to the mess of the world is different than the way that we do. God does not withdraw from the mess. Instead, what God does is enter more deeply into it. God wades into the mess and makes a home smack dab right in the middle of the chaos. God says to David today, don't put me in a box. I won't feel at home away from the messy world I created. And David learns that God's home is nothing that we can build. God's home is not a shelter away from the mess, but instead that God's home is outside in the world, among the people. In fact, God says to David today that God will make a home in the messiest place possible, which is the lives of human beings. Our lives, with all of their complications and doubts and mistakes and pain, that's where God feels most precisely at home. God says to David that even when King David acts poorly, God's love will stay right beside him. And spoiler alert, this does happen. David is the first in a long line of kings in the Bible that screw up, lose their faith in God, and hurt countless people. And through all that messy political drama, God stays involved. God doesn't leave God's messy home among the people. And that same God in scripture is still close to us today, still making a home in our lives, still seeing all of our messes. And I think that should make us rethink a couple of things. I know that sometimes we like to try to carve out a space 
in our life for God that is clean and tidy. We like to set aside some time for prayer or meditation or Bible reading or worship, thinking that that unencumbered space is where we're going to find God. And while we do indeed find God there, today's text invites us to endeavor to see God taking the messy parts of our lives and making a home out of them too. God is inviting us to see God at work in the daily, the mundane, the stormy, the confused parts of our lives. And it's not just a relationship with God that we need to see anew. It's how we view each other too. Because there are times when we're tempted to withdraw from one another. Because it would just be so darn convenient not to deal with some people sometimes. But when we resist being drawn out of our routines for the sake of our neighbor, when we intentionally avoid people who look and talk and think differently than we do, what we're missing is an invitation from God into God's own home. Because God is diving into the mess of the world and asking us to follow. God is inviting you into the very space where God chooses to make a home, which is your own life and the life of your neighbors. And yes, it's a messy home, but the clutter there is the clutter of hope, and the mess there is the mess of love, and God dwells in it all. Amen.